Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Rosca Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr. Well, hello everybody. I am Mark Schneider and I want to welcome you to today's episode 129 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the misuse of taxpayer dollars as applied to primary and secondary public education. Um, as we often point out among the world's industrialized nation, America outspends virtually all of them on public education. But for all of our spending, according to Pew Research and others, compared to these same nations, we are in the middle to bottom rungs academically. In fact, the literacy rate today is lower than in 1840 before the imposition of compulsory education. Well, to cast some light on this subject, uh, I'm fortunate to be able to talk today with an expert in this field, Todd Madison, the founder and president of Transparent California. I was fortunate to hear Todd address this topic at a conference that we both attended, and he was kind enough to accept our invitation today. Welcome, Todd, to the program. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess the probably the place to start, Todd, is to tell us a little bit about yourself and Transparent California. Um, what's your story and what is Transparent California? <laughs> sure. So I am uh, mostly a dad. Um, I have three kids, my wife and I have three kids. Um, they've done great in education. That's all her fault, of course. I'm just a useless appendage. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the you know where, where I got into this is that I've been a K-12 activist for a long time. I've volunteered on committees. I was the first parent on the budget committee at uh, Oceanside Unified. Um, I, was on, I ran the district parent advisory committee for years. I've been to many school board meetings. I ran for board. You know, that got me involved in K-12 activism. That led me to Transparent California. So um, where I got sucked into Transparent California, I was using our data. Uh, well, as, as background, so Trans- Transparent California publishes compensation data for all public employees in the state of California. Mm. So if you want to go um, look up how much your local school superintendent makes, how much your local city manager makes, any of that, you can do it at transparentcalifornia.com. Oh, so I, I got involved because I saw some data on there that I didn't understand. I emailed them um, to get clarification, and they basically said, hey, how would you like to join us if you think you can do better? So that's how I ended up with Transparent California. And the, the core mission of the organization is just to uh, provide some public exposure to what's going on in spending and, and education, correct? <laughs> Keep government accountable. Oh, I so love not, that. Not just education, but everything. There, There is nothing more ripe for abuse than using government power to line your own pocket. Nothing. You know, throughout history, every single scandal that's been involved in government has involved people paying themselves with taxpayer dollars. That's how it works. In well, private industry, the person who provides the money for your paycheck knows how much you make. There isn't a person you can sit down with who can give you more money in your pocket who doesn't already know what you make. So Transparent California feels that you, the people who pay the the salaries of our public employees, should know what they make also. 
what a concept. Well, we're going to dig into the details uh, today about this topic. I, I was just uh, fascinated by the data that you presented at this conference. So maybe we can start uh, with the apparent disconnect between education funding in California and its academic performance. Can can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, for, for the dollars that we're spending, and I seem to recall someplace that um, we are spending something like $17,000 per student. I'm, I, that may be that low now, but uh, the academic performance, so we're not getting much for our education dollars, are we? Yeah, no, your number is low. Um, it was almost $20,000 in 2022, and it's it's scheduled to rise to almost 22000 in 2023. So, um, and that goes up just tremendously. One of the things we hear, you know, every time you sit in front of a school board and they tell you why they can't educate our kids, they will blame it on, quote, lack of funding from the state. As a matter of fact, they will often say that funding has been cut from California education over the years. In the last decade, the actual increase rate is 7.6% per year in education per student fund. Oh, my word. 7.6% per year. That's three times the rate of inflation. It's astonishing. Yeah. So the idea that funding has been cut is an absolute lie. You know, that that is just an excuse that they make. Currently, it's like I say, it's it's going to be over twenty one thousand dollars a year per student, close to twenty two. The average class is funded with over a half a million dollars per year per class. So to tell them to tell for them to tell us they can't properly educate our kids when we're giving them a half million dollars per class per year. That's crazy. It's crazy so, indeed. In fact, um, uh, you're right. That's the the tribe we we always hear from educators is that the reason their schools are academically underperforming is because teacher salaries aren't enough, or they don't have enough uh, money for uh, equipment. Uh, they're just not competitive with with other nations. Of course, we know none of that's that's true. But twenty one thousand uh, dollars per year per student. That even private schooling now, um, in some cases, is less than that. I, I read a statistic where the average ele- uh, tuition for elementary school is around ten thousand dollars per year, and for high school now it, it is approaching twenty thousand. So, but obviously, our, our our parents don't have access to those funds. So they're all going to pay um, for the public education system. Yeah, the the average between elementary and private or high school and private is about fifteen thousand. So our pub our quote underfunded public schools are actually getting significantly more than private schools, which typically provide better out- outcomes as well. Last year in twenty twenty two, only forty six percent of the kids in our state were proficient in English and a miserable thirty three percent in math. Thirty three. So that means sixty six percent of our kids are not proficient in math, despite spending that kind of money on education. That that would be called an F in education. Absolutely, and this is not a new problem either, is it? It's not, it's not like this this data has crept up on upon us. We've known about this for quite some time. Yeah, the academic drops have been happening um, pretty regularly. I mean, tip, technically, the if you look at the actual numbers, um, education academic performance has remained pretty much flat up until the pandemic. It wasn't. It was. It was uh, some some years it would rise by a half a percent, you know, or something like that. Mm. But it's it's essentially flat. Um, and then since then, since we started pouring many, many, many more millions or billions of dollars into it, it's gotten worse. So, Todd, how has the funding model changed in California? I know that uh, 
there, there was a court case that goes back to 1971, and then there were some propositions that have passed more recently, and there's been some changes in our local control of, of school districts. Maybe you can, you can speak to some of these cases and laws that have affected the funding model for California. Sure. Serrano versus Priest in 71 was probably the most significant. Um, people still believe that their schools are funded by property tax. Um, I hear it all the time. This is what I'm paying property tax for. In reality, there are only a few districts in the state of California that are still funded by property tax. Almost all districts are funded from the state. That's what Serrano versus Priest did. They basically said that it was inequitable to have uh, rich neighborhoods able to fund better schools than poor neighborhoods. So they started the transition to state funding. So that was continued with Prop 98, um, where they constitutionally guaranteed that education would get 40% of general revenue. So that was attacking the underfunding problem or question. And that was 2019, Uh, I believe? um, No, Prop 98 was uh, 1999, I think, 1998, 99, something like that. Um, So it was a while ago. Um, and then in Prop 30, you know, of course, we heard that education was underfunded. So we were we, we voted to raise taxes on ourselves to better fund education, increase the sales tax, increase income tax on high earners. Um, the idea was to better fund education. And then in in uh, 2013, we saw the local control funding formula. We had heard for a long time, we had heard that um, education was unhappy with the fact that the state controlled every little thing that came with funding. There were over 50 what they called categoricals at one time. So every little bit of money came from the state came with some specific requirements and the LCFF changed that. So almost all the money given to the education industry now is given in block grants so they can spend it however they want. So we are, we are totally unchained and ready to go with improving education, right? As of 2013. Yeah. 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 So did I happen. hear you correctly that 40% of the general budget goes for education? Yeah, roughly. It's plus or minus a couple of percent. There's a very complicated formula for it, but, um, but yeah, in general. And so $127 billion next year. Uh, are there other states that, that spend uh, a, an equal or even a greater percentage of their general fund in education than California? Or are we the highest mm, spenders? That I can't tell you. I haven't done a lot of study of other states uh, on the percentage in general. I mean, we spend more money on education than any other state, but of course, we're the largest. Um, but I don't know about the percentage. Well, at one time, U.S. News & World report that California ranked 44 out of 50 states in terms of academic performance. I, I think they may have crept up a little bit in the last couple couple of years, but it's not impressive for all the money that we're spending on education. In fact, this behooves the question, what are we getting for our education dollars? In fact, I can't remember exactly what this stands for, but in your presentation in San Diego, you talked about this, I guess it's an acronym, C-A-A-S-P-P. What does that stand for? The California Assessment of Student Performance, which is the standard that the state uses to evaluate how our schools are doing. Um, it's a, it's a group of measures. It's not specifically all testing, but testing is a part of it. Um, there are a number of other measures that they look at as well. Um, many of those are semi-useless. They're self-reported. So you might say, um, for, for example, say graduation rate. You know, you, you, graduation rate is an objective calculation, but of course you can change the requirements for graduation anytime you want. So, um, you know, there's a, there was a scandal in San Diego Unified a few years ago where they found out they were inflating their graduation rate by just um, moving some numbers around in the, the thing. But the state, the testing, the objective testing called the Smarter Balance Test, the SBAC, um, is probably the key way that we look at uh, how our kids are doing in education. And that's part of the CAASPP. And who administers this uh, this organization? 
the California right. Department of Education. Okay. Um, they, so they so it's that. like the fox guarding the hen house. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, there there was a move. One of the issues, of course, is that these things can be gamed easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a move a few years ago to replace the smarter balance test with something more objective, the SAT, the ACT, something that was out of the control of the state or local district and, you know, therefore couldn't be changed. Um, that actually, I believe, made it all the way to the governor's desk and then he wouldn't sign it. But, uh, um, you know, it would be nice to have a more objective measure. That's for sure. So even though the Department of Education is administering this, the numbers that have been reported are not impressive, are they? No, no, they're going down. Um, and I don't know if people remember this, but last year it was somewhat famous because they, they tried to delay the release of those numbers until after the election. And talk about political machinations. The numbers are normally released in October, which in itself is ridiculous because they're re- they're, these tests are given in May. And if the idea is to improve the education of the next gen, the next year's students, then of course knowing it before the school year started would be good. Um, but they, they normally release them in October. And last year they decided initially that they weren't going to release it until after the election. Um, fortunately, there was a huge uproar among particularly parents, and that ended up forcing them to release them as planned in October. Interesting. Well, Todd, most Americans continue to hold teachers in very high regard, um, including here in California. They also tend to think that they're vastly underpaid. Maybe you can you can speak to this. Again, I was shocked by the numbers that you presented at the conference. What What goes into teacher compensation, I guess, first of all? Sure, sure. This is what we do. That's what we're about is looking at that compensation. So we gather data from um, millions, uh, of, or, well, from thousands of agencies on millions of employees every year. We have 38 million records online. We typically um, uh, get somewhere around two and a half to three million employee records every year um, from over 3,000 agencies, including about a million on school, uh, school districts. Around How do you get that information? These just um, public pub- records requests? Public records act requests. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very long and tedious process. You know, no one actually wants to do it. You know, we, we've, we've gotten them in the groove so that they know they can't, they can run, but they can't hide. We occasionally have to sue an agency to get the data, but, um, we, we pretty much always get it. So to answer your question though, what goes into compensation? So, um, if you look at the site, we have a number of different buckets that the compensation goes into regular pay, overtime, other pay, and then the amount paid into retirement plans and healthcare benefits, right? So, um, whenever I look at this, I quote total compensation because it's important. You know, I, I hear repeatedly from people who would benefit from having them look underpaid is that, you know, that, that total comp doesn't count because I can't buy groceries with it, right? Um, on the other hand, I mean, who out there would not consider it valuable compensation if their employer paid 100% of their healthcare premiums? You know, I think everyone would understand that that is actually a valuable part of compensation. And if the employer didn't pay for it, you would have to pay for it yourself out of your own income. Mm. Um, same thing with retirement income. Most private employees get about 10% of their income contributed to their retirement by their employer. That's 6.2 social plus a 4% 401k match. Teachers get 27%. 27% of their income goes gets re- contributed to their retirement plan every year. Wow. So that's 17% more than you or I get. For a median teacher, that means almost $17,000 a year. That adds up to about $3 million if you were to put that into a 401k, if your employer were to put that into a 401k for you. So, you know, anytime somebody says, well, you can't count that extra stuff because it's not money I can spend on groceries, um, think about how much the average person would have to take out of their pay 
to contribute to their own 401k to make as much as a teacher makes when it comes to paying for groceries. That seems valuable to me. It, I, I totally agree. In fact, uh, teachers, I, I understand they still get defined benefits programs where the, the payout when they finally do retire is actually much greater than when people get normally when they work in private industry where they have to manage their own finances through a 401k. Yeah, the, the typical pension payout is about double Social Security, sometimes a little more than that. Um, and and to a large degree, it's even underfunded at that. Right now, I, I forget what the current percentage is, but uh, the teacher's pension plan is typically only funded to pay out about 70% or so of what the, the uh, uh, projected payouts are going to be, which means at some point in the future, we're either going to have to cut the pensions we pay to teachers or we're going to have to raise taxes on our self-pay. So, um, well, let's talk about some specifics. What what is the average teacher compensation now in California? A great question, you know, considering we, we everyone everyone thinks that they're underpaid. Um, so I don't use average, I use median. Um, that's the same as the U.S. Census Bureau. It's a very slight difference, but it's kind of important. You know, if you had a company with 10 employees, they all made 50K, except one making 500K. Friend asks you, should I work there? If you say average, you know, yeah, the average employee makes $95,000 a year. You'd be lying to them. That's true. It is the average of that is $95,000 a year. Um, but no one there makes that except that the uh, CEO who makes more. The median for that group is 50K. So, you know, I think that the median number is, is much more representative of what everyone makes, which is why the you know, Census Bureau uses it. So in the state 2022 so far, median pay is $104,501. Median total compensation is $136,734. And that, of course, includes their extra uh, retirement benefits they get. And I suspect, Todd, that that is a much higher um, compensation salary, uh, depending on what term you use, than the average California makes, even the average California professional. Well, we can look at that, actually, because the educational attainment numbers are are available from the CDE, the California Department of Education. We can see what the average education of a teacher is, um, how many have bachelors, how many have advanced degrees, and so on. We can compare that to the U.S. Census Bureau, which actually has the exact same numbers. They call it educational attainment. Um, they say comparably educated employees in the state of California and private industry make $91,000 a year. So underpaid is a judgment call. But I think if people actually knew that teaching paid almost $30,000 a year more than they could make doing anything else with the same degree, I don't know if they would feel that way. And so that's teacher compensation. So let's review those numbers one more time. I think you said 104000 per year is the mean uh, salary for, for teachers and total compensation was 136. What was the number again? Yeah. If we round up, it's 105 and 137. So, um, 105 yeah. and 137. So that, that's for teachers in the classroom actually teaching students. But as we all know, um, there are a lot more people that are employed by the Department of Education and local school districts than teachers. And of course, we're talking about admin administrators. Mm-hmm. And um, let's talk about the mean salaries and compensation there for administrators. Sure, sure. So the median um, total pay of a, an admin, median total compensation of an admin employee is $187,260 last year or so far. Wow. Yeah. $187,000. Yeah. That's the midpoint. Median is midpoint. So, so there's, there's half of the people make more than that. That's just incredible. Yeah. Now I don't, I don't know in larger districts if I consider that particularly egregious. I mean, you know, my local school district has a budget of $277 million. Mm. 
um, you know, in any private industry, $187,000 would be probably low for, you know, a, a vice president or, you know, some executive in a business that size. The fundamental problem, though, is that there is no connection between that and performance. None. You know, I, I used to manage compensation problem programs in private industry, and I can tell you that anyone making a quarter of a million dollars or 200000 or whatever it is would have a significant portion of their pay based on actually meeting goals set by the board. They wouldn't just get, you know, they'd get 10, 20, 30 percent of that based on hitting a target, whereas in education, they just warm the seat. There's no there's no expectation that they actually have to improve anything to get their money. Well, having worked in private industry most of my career, I can tell you that's exactly the way it works, that your, your total compensation is tied to actual performance and it's measured, you know, it, more than annually, it's measured biannually. So mm-hmm. and there are some particular examples that are fairly egregious, right, that you've been able to uncover in your, in your data for administrators sure. that are just making obscene amounts of money. Oh, sure. So let's talk about James Hammond. Um, James Hammond is the superintendent of the Ontario Montclair School District. Um, Mr. Hammond, you know, 83% of his parents qualify for the free lunch program. Last year, the free lunch threshold was something like $35,000, $36,000, um, and that applies to families of four. So you can you can say that 83% of the families in his district likely make less than $36,000. Mr. Hammond paid himself $750,000 in total compensation. So, um, you know, obviously he's doing pretty well in a district that isn't in general. I, I'm speechless. Yeah, yeah. Cajon Valley, David Miyashiro, the superintendent there, like the third highest paid superintendent in the state. Um, he, he's probably a great superintendent. Maybe Hammond, Mr. Hammond is too. But um, his, his, Cajon Valley has 7,000 students. He made $508,000 last year. It's like, where's the connection? That is the question. Where, where is the accountability? Uh, and fortunately, Transparent California is trying to provide some of that. And uh, Todd, we're going to have to have you back on the program because we're running out of time. But oh, just sorry. just in brief, what is the remedy to all of this? What, what can our audience do to actually facilitate change, uh, to fix this compensation problem and to well, get some accountability back into the system? Well, the, the real solution is school choice. Um, you know, if, if we had school choice in the state, then a superintendent who wanted to pay himself $750,000 would have to think whether that's actually going to benefit the schools enough to keep parents with their kids there. But barring that, um, we have to be active. We have to get involved. We have to go to school board meetings. We have to participate in, in, uh, committees, the LCAP committees, the parent advisory committees, all this stuff. We have to speak out. We have to stand up and let them know that we're watching this. We have to hold them accountable. We have to vote. We have to run for school board. You know, there's many things that, that parents could do. And unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that happening. We are indeed. Well, Todd, this has been just a fascinating information. We do want to have you back on the program. How can people uh, follow and support your work? Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, of course, people can donate. Um, we, we get slammed occasionally for being a, quote, right-wing activist group. Um, they, we, we occasionally hear that we're funded by the Koch brothers. I can tell you we're waiting for that check. It hasn't happened. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, if any Koch brothers are watching. <laughs> so meanwhile, the, the average contribution to Transparent California is $48. So um, we're not funded by some fat cats somewhere who just want to, you know, dig it into the the public employees. It's not what we do. We're here for accountability of a very small crew of part-time workers. Teachers always ask me, well, what do you make? You know, you're showing what I make. What do you make? 
I made $19,800 last year doing this. Mm. Um, it's not a, and, and we have one guy who deals with agency files made about 10 grand. This is not a, a hugely funded, you know, this is a labor of love for everyone. So, so donate. You can sponsor an agency if you really want to see a particular agency's data collected and, and done with a priority. You just click the sponsor button. So if your local school district is important to you, do that. 25 bucks, you'll get an email and it rises to the top of our collection list. So you can do that as two, too. And then of course, subscribe to our blog. You know, if you want to see the latest information as it comes out and they can find you at transparentcalifornia.com. Transparentcalifornia.com. That's easy yep. to find. Um, to all our listeners and audience, so we encourage you to please go to that website. There's just a tremendous amount of wealth of information. It will equip you to speak intelligently when you do attend school board meetings and uh, and when you go to the ballot box uh, when it con- comes time to elect um, our school officials. So uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But uh, thank you again, Todd Madison, for being on our program. And we'll see you next week on Say What. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening to Say What, the radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What. 